Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'm certified in Reiki and an EMDR, and you can find me online through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I usually go into a little bit more extensively about my website and my offerings, but today I have a really special guest, and it's a very special day. Today is my two-year anniversary doing my podcast, All Things Therapy. I have Catherine Woodward Thomas with us that I'll bring on in a few moments. This is her second time coming on my show, and I just want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing to my show, for listening for sharing it on social media. And I want to thank anyone out there who's been my guest before because you really have made this show happen. I didn't know I had it in me to do something like this. And I think usually with any new creation, there's fear and trepidation, but there's also that tug of spirit to step forward in a new way. And two years ago, I felt resistant and I told, I basically told God, I will start a podcast if Marianne Williamson emails me back that she will be my guest. I thought there's no way that's ever going to happen. It was to her email that's just on her website. And within two hours, she wrote me back personally saying she'd love to be my guest when I started a show. So I knew that was my answer to start this show. And I'm just so grateful to everyone that supported me. This show is sponsored by Audible. And as my listener, they offer you a free month long subscription, and audiobook download of your choice. And this is a perfect segue to talk more about Catherine Woodward Thomas. As her books are on Audible, she narrates them herself. So you get the gift of hearing her own voice and intonation, walking you through her material. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, an internationally recognized love coach. And she's the New York Times bestselling author of Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life, and Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Living Happily Even After. Catherine has trained and certified hundreds of people to be calling in the one coaches and conscious uncoupling coaches. She additionally reaches hundreds of thousands of thousands of individuals through her virtual and in-person learning communities. There's one going on right now and registration is still open for her calling in the one seminar. We're going to share how you can jump in on that. And today we're going to be talking about her book, Calling in the One. Catherine has really profoundly identified ways that we can look at the underlying consciousness of our patterns, which happen through us, and that information that is contained within that space between saying we want an intimate relationship and then being ready and available to create it is just pregnant with information. So we're going to talk all about this today with Catherine. Welcome. Lisa, happy anniversary. Thank you. 
Thank you for being with How us today. How exciting. I get, to, I get to celebrate with you. I'm very happy to have you celebrate with me. And I love the story of how you did that because I think that the realization of our destiny is usually outside of our identity mm-hmm. or, or who we've known ourselves to be, and we really have to take those kinds of risks. So bravo you, and thank you for sharing that inspiring story. Thank you. You're welcome. And then you were one of my yeah. subsequent guests after that, and you wrote me back immediately too. So I felt like spirit really was with me to encourage me down this path. And I've gotten to meet amazing women like you and Marianne and Ora Nadrich and so many others. So you're just a gift. Thank you. You're welcome. Where, where should we start with listeners and even creating a new love identity about your work? Where do you want to begin with us? Well, let's, let's start with what's happening for us because so many of us are on a personal development path and we're up to things that are meaningful and heartfelt. Um, we're growing spiritually. Uh, we're taking risks and, and we're kind of becoming these amazing women that are standing on the shoulders of the early feminists breaking through mm-hmm. barriers, you know, a generation ago. And we're also a generation that's really struggling in love and in relationships. And so, you know, there's an irony to the fact that we are the most developed, successful, I mean, we in the West anyway, most of the women listening to, to, the, to the sound of our voices we're, we're, we're developed, we're successful, we're accomplished, and also studies after studies show that we're the most unhappy than mm. we've ever been. So that doesn't quite make sense to the logical mind, you know? Right. But I think that there's been an either-or split, maybe because the generation before us, the model that we had for relationship was very role-based, where you had, you know, a certain role to play. And, I, and I, I'm sure there's enlightened, conscious men who are here with us. But I think probably the majority of listeners are women. And yes. I think that it's kind of been passed in the lineage, those, those images of women who subjugate themselves for their children, their families, mostly their husbands, <clears throat> and they don't and they give up their lives they give up their dreams and that was considered the right thing to do just really 50 years ago that was yeah. the way women quote unquote should be so 50 years from an evolutionary perspective is a hiccup a barely a hiccup and we are the generation that's kind of pushing back against that <clears throat> so in a way though it it has lived for a lot of us very either or. Either I get to have love or I get to have a meaningful life of purpose and mission and contribution and creativity and the realization of my potentials, right? It's been, it's been a little either or. And so when we talk about love, there's been um, uh, a lot of leaps out of that role-based looking for a husband to uh, this, this deep desire that we have now for authenticity and companionship and for a best friend and a spiritual partner. And, um, and so we've raised our expectations quite a bit. Um, yes. So we have the, 
We, we have a new, and we don't have models for how to create that relationship. And what it's doing is it's really pushing on us to grow spiritually in terms of being very clear about what it is that we're creating, how we're co-creating from our own consciousness, and also growing our capacity to love and be loved in the ways that would allow us to have the kinds of relationships that we desire. And so that's what calling in the one basically is. It's this inside-out journey to love. So rather than running out to find someone, um, which is actually a viable, all the dating coaches and right. when he says this, you should say that, or you know what it what it's like now with the new rules of uh, gender bending dating is, or you know mating where he's in the feminine and you're in the masculine, or two women together, or two men together, or transgender partnering, like all the options are now out on the table. Yes, like what are those external rules to all of that? But calling in the one is kind of. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not homosexual. It's not gay friendly. It's like it, because it's the underlying consciousness. So it's really about how we love, and who we are in in that story, and what our love story is, and how love goes for us, and how we struggle with certain patterns, and we want certain things, but there are other parts of us that might be more hidden, that are a little ambivalent about that. Maybe we don't want to give up our freedom or. Maybe we find that when we do get in relationships, we give our power away, and so we want to keep ourselves safe and single, or we have some idea that we're just here in this lifetime to serve the greater good and not to be loved on a personal level. So there's all sorts of things that are going on within all of us internally that would have us show up in ways that are inconsistent with the future of love that we're Wanting to create level yearning to have. Yeah. Yes. And to piggyback on what you're saying, I'm thinking how our our templates for love and partnership are based upon our previous experiences and our family of origin. And, you know, typically those templates might not represent the full potential of what we can have, or, or we might know what we want, but not know how to get there. So I think your work I know your work speaks to that that gap between what we want, what we know, and then who to become to to embody right. that. Well, and then some of us are resigned and we say, well, is it even possible? Because most of the couples I know bicker and they tear each other down and, you know, they tolerate each other. I mean, really, I think the studies say that, I'm not going to be able to quote the statistic exactly, but it's something like only 38% of people who are married will decl- will identify as that they're happily so. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're also, because we're in new territory, we kind of don't know how to navigate the terrain of how do we create happiness and how do we have this new evolutionary partnership with, uh, with someone who is that best friend and that wonderful lover and are, you know, are equal in so many ways and, and also then create long-term happiness with that person. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it, you know, and then of course throw in the added complexity of um, that the lifespan has, you know, more than doubled in the last hundred years. So <laughs> Like, right. So when you used to say we all they all lived happily ever after, you know the lifespan when that when that myth came into vogue, the lifespan was under forty years of age. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. it's a very fascinating playing field. 
and and yeah. we all want to be happy in love, and that's what our that's what I'm committed to, and that's what I'm our community is devoted to. Yes. And you created Calling in the One based on your own desire to move yourself along that path. And it's become a very formalized process that just hundreds of thousands of people, including myself, have participated in and and changed ourselves from. I can't wait to hear what you, because you were telling me before we got on air that you've done the Calling in the One process and you've really grown a lot. Just to give listeners a, a sketch of my story. I mean, I have a pretty magical story because yeah. I I had struggled for decades with patterns of unavailable men, which I think if I really track it back into childhood was super simple to see where I created that, that thing, that triangulation. There was a lot of it. My mother was married several times, so there was always triangulations going on with her new family, her new husband, and then me, and I was on the outside. And then, of course, my father married someone who was upset. He had a child from another relationship, so that was triangulated. So, you know, we all have our themes, but that theme duplicated itself over and over again. And it was so outside of my conscious awareness how it was happening it just looked like it was my fate, married men, engaged men, workaholic men where you triangulate with their work. It was just uncanny. And I was so confused by this pattern because, you know, everybody else seemed to be getting married and having children. Mm-hmm. And I had one drama after another. And I so wanted to have a family. I was so wanted to get married. And it was deeply confusing, and it wasn't until I was in my early 40s when I discovered the power of setting an intention Mm -hmm. and leaning into that future and showing up in ways where you're literally co-creating that future and where the game is not to make, you know, to run out and get love, but it's to go within and remove all the barriers that are built against it. And and I started to do that. I said when I was 41, I set a strong intention with uh, some friends that I was going to be engaged by my 42nd birthday. And uh, my I had a breakthrough immediately. Shared that with her, and she said, "Catherine, I'll hold you. I'll hold that intention with you if I if you give me permission to hold you accountable for being the woman you would need to be in order for that to happen." Mm-hmm. And that was an awakening for me when she said that. And so I began every day on my meditation cushion and I began to vision what it might feel like to have that, which was outside of anything I'd ever had. So that was not an easy thing to do. And I began to uh, just say to spirit, just like you were saying at the top of the call, you ask God, you've got this message if you want me to do this so I opened myself to that higher self guidance and I said what would I need to give up what would I need to let go of how am I the source of this that I would need to let go of and also what would I need to begin to cultivate to prepare myself it's kind of Mm -hmm. a of a hybrid of Michael Beckwith's visioning process and as I sat there every morning I would just get ideas didn't come like a burning bush experience but I'd go hmm wow, I really have like a little club with my grandmother and my mother, like the we, we don't really like men very much. We would giggle and put the men down in our family, and it was the little way that we bonded. 
And I realized, oh, that's inconsistent with having like this great man in my life. <laughs> it's like right. in order to belong to my my little club with my mother and my grandmother, I have to go find alcoholic men who disappoint me. <laughs> so we have something to talk about, right? Uh, so it's right. just like little things like that, like agreements, promises I mm. made. I mean, one promise that came up that I saw big time was when, when I was 10 in response to feeling really crushed over some a choice that my father made that just devastated me. I mean, he basically gave me up for adoption to my mother's new husband without saying goodbye. Um, and I was very bonded to him, and it just crushed me. I mean, I, I've repaired that as much as I can as an adult right. with him. He's really actually quite a lovely person, my father. And, you know, people were just confused. They didn't understand attachment and the kind of devastation. I'm sure he wouldn't have done it if he had known how much that would have crushed me. But when that when that happened... Um, I, outside of like any verbal agreement that I made with myself, it was just this way I shut down and made this decision. I was never going to let anyone hurt me like that again. Right. And so consequently, all of those impossible loves was this very primitive way of trying to protect myself from ever being hurt again. Mm. And what I needed to do was once I made that conscious, I would say, oh, that's like an agreement I made with myself, like a promise. No, I'm never going to get hurt. So let me just keep them at arm's distance. Because even though it's great suffering, at least I'm in control of the suffering. Like nobody's going to take me out with that. I know it's impossible going in. So how crushed could I really be? So, you know, once you make these things possible, you get to rethink them. You get to say, okay, well, I'm a... 40-something-year-old woman, I'm not 10 anymore, right. and I have some tools. I have some tools, first of all, to deal with disappointment better than I had back then, but also I have some tools to probably protect myself in a healthier way. Like, I know how to engage things with people before they become problems. I know how to ask questions. I know how to get clarity around what are we doing here and what are the ground rules and what can I expect of you? And this is what you can expect of me. You know, like I have adult skills now, mm -hmm. so I can probably protect myself a lot better. So, so when we make things conscious, we restore choice back into our own hands. Carl Jung, the great psychiatrist once said um, that that, which, what is it? That, which, which is unconscious. remains unconscious occurs in our lives as fate. So once we, you know, if we're, if before it's conscious, it just happens to us and we don't know why it's happening right. to us over and over again. But once we make it conscious, then it's like, oh, I get it now. I, I can do this differently. I get to have a choice. Is it worth love in my life <clears throat> to make sure I never get really taken out again, the possibility of getting really hurt in love? And then as a, an adult woman, you can say, well, no, not not really. I'd, I'd rather risk being hurt than go through a loveless life, actually. Right. So, so those are the things I was finding when I was sitting on my cushion. So once I began to look within and I gave up, you know, all the stories I'd been telling myself before that, which was, you know, my, my thighs are too big or um, a woman over 40 has a greater chance of being hit by a bus than finding a great husband or all the mm. good ones are taken or the one that we all say, I've never met the right person. Um, so, you know, basically, when I looked within, I saw that there were a lot of very viable reasons, parts of me that were keeping love at bay that were just 
kind of off my radar. So once I was able to do that, and I was also doing other things that were about preparing my home. Um, yes. You know, yeah. just, you know, cleaning out clay, space in the closet and, you know, the, those kinds of metaphysical things that we do to welcome in a future where we make space for love. Um, and, and at some point, I started to get an inner prompt to about this man I hadn't seen in six years and hadn't talked to him in all that time. I'd thought of him as the one that got away. And I was getting such a strong inner signal to reconnect with him. But I was shy and I didn't call him. And I I went over to Michael Beckwith's church here in in Los Angeles. Agape. Agape. And I'd been going there for 10 years and I'd never seen Mark there. But lo and behold, there he is on a Sunday. And I still have a shy attack and I turn away from him and I don't go and talk to him. And then a few weeks later, I... I'm complaining to a friend because I, I haven't met him yet, and my birthday is just a few months away, and where is he? And she said, you've got to get on the Internet. Now, that sounds normal now, but this is 18 years ago, and it was not yeah. normal then. And there was not even technology at that point to have pictures up. So no one had their name up. No one had their pictures. The only thing they had was the city they lived in, their age, they had their race and they had their identify they had their their handle they created a okay. handle like two hearts beating as one and then they you know told you something about themselves so it wasn't like you could go in and say oh yeah i know that person right all anonymous so i get anyway she get she convinces me to get on this dating site i was loath to do it but i did it cuz i was coachable and and i ended up out of a quarter of a million people choosing one person anonymously <laughs> and it ended up being mark I love this story. It's really the divine bringing you together. Well, you know, Lisa, when that happened, I was like, oh, that's too crazy. That's just too crazy. Now, I didn't even make it mean that he was my husband. I was like, okay, well, let's see what this is about. Right. But we we were and we did end up getting engaged two months before my birthday. And then we were married the next year and then I gave birth to our daughter. But when it happened... When it happened, I thought, okay, this is not a personal miracle. This story is too wild. So I started offering um, workshops to my friends, which gave me a structure to try and decipher what I had done that created this breakthrough and this miracle. And I saw I could really break it down into seven steps, and I I created it into a 49-day process. And I began teaching it to people and one foot in front of another. I'd never written anything before, but they were saying, can you write this down? This is so mm-hmm. helpful. I have a friend in, on the East Coast. I want to share it with them. Will you write it down? And I started writing. And then another friend came to me and said, do you, uh, do you need a book agent? I hear you're writing. <laughs> I said, okay, I guess I do. I, yeah. I, it was just. Right, so calling in the one, and I tell that story. Then it went on to get a book deal with Random House, and it became a national bestseller within four months. But the reason why I'm really convinced, I mean, first of all, calling in the one is about the law of attraction and attracting in your partner. So the vortex, its energy Mm -hmm. is that. Like how it came into being is through that vortex. And, and And I'm convinced that its success is because it has been so impactful for so many people, and it particularly works for people who think that 
um, that they're kind of hopeless cases that love has passed them by or they're too damaged or it's just not going to happen in this lifetime or they have a very specific reason about why they think love is for other people and not for them. Uh, they're overweight. They're, they're one woman, 100 pounds overweight, who's now very happily married to a lovely man, one woman who has a physical disability and wasn't able to do just very basic pedestrian kind of activities. Her mom, she was dependent on her mother, even though she was a career woman in her 40s, wonderful woman. But she had a big story about that, and now she's very happily married. You know, so there's story after story after after story. story. But we all have, like, these ideas about what's wrong with us or why, you know, it's for other people. Well, you know, but I'm the one with the disabled child, or I'm the one with too much debt, or... I'm the one who was sexually abused when I was young, and so I have, you know, I, I have, it takes me a long time to relax sexually with someone. We all have our stories, is, is what I'm saying. And fears, and I, yes. And fears, and fears about going in is that, you know, we don't maybe trust ourselves to set appropriate boundaries. We give our power away. I know that's been a very big pattern for me in my life, and I'm finally coming out of the fog of it. But I think when you have a lot of trauma when you're young um, or if you have very narcissistic parents, um, you have kind of uh, addiction in your family, you you have those kinds of dynamics. and, And so we create survival strategies that are about people pleasing or giving power away or not setting boundaries or disappearing our needs and caretaking the needs of other people, all of these kinds of ways where we're sourcing our safety in these toxic patterns that end up creating problems in our relationships where we become a lesser version of ourselves, essentially. And they end up Um, reinforcing, I think, the ways we have been hurt and reinforcing those beliefs that we aren't enough or we're too much, that, that it almost engenders and pulls out those kind of outcomes because we're not having clarity Completely. around showing up for ourselves as Completely. as we need to. Yep. Completely. Yeah. Completely. So I, and, and yeah, so the stories are happening through us. Yes. And we are authoring the stories, but it, it feels like it's happening outside of us and that every time we do it, it's a validation of the story. Right. So I am alone is a story. And um, I assume I'm alone, so then I get into relationships and I can't tolerate any break in belonging with that connection. In that connection, I can't even tolerate if people are angry with me because they might then leave. Right. So what I do is I self-abandon and I leave myself alone in the relationship because I want to, you know, make sure I'm staying bonded to that person and then what ends up getting created in the relationship is that there's an inauthenticity because I'm not really there. And eventually they will mirror back to me my own chronic self-abandonment because they'll lose interest. Like there's actually no me to love. So they'll yeah. leave. They will leave. And that's how we're we I mean, it's happening. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'.
Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. We've shrunk ourselves. We've disappeared ourselves. We're there as a younger self. So we're pulling on someone to parent us as opposed to really showing up as a partner. You know, and then we end up generating more of the same. So a lot of the the the, the way that the work has grown um, since the book came out in two thousand and four is is and and it's still you know a really a very popular book now still thank goodness yeah um, and but the work has grown in terms of how much depth I understand this pattern of how we're the source of our own experience and how this pattern is happening through us and not just to us. It's very it's very elegant work to start to see it. You start to see how we're all so co-creative and how life has gifted us with this gift of manifestation and co-creativity. So so we have to be responsible for our consciousness and our habits of thought and, our, and the Yes. Right, the beliefs and and how we show up inside of those perspectives, we want to make all them conscious so that we can consciously create that which we actually want and stop creating more of what we don't want. And that the actual process of it for our listeners to know is empowering. I know I started to tell you before we came on live and and just to the listening audience about a year and three months ago, I reached out to Catherine as I had begun writing a book about core wounding and I found myself in some deep emotional waters and wasn't quite aware of it until you email me that back. Like, dear, you're in some deep emotional waters. You might want to, you know, look into working with one of the coaches that, that I have trained. And it just felt like a yes, like sure. And um, I selected Prem Glidden who's listening and Prem, I love you. It's just been transformative this last year plus. And uh, we start we started doing calling in the one because core wounding for me was was related to my sense of value and worth. And as um, I might look outwardly and, and am successful, I've, I've been a therapist over 20 years. I love being a therapist. I've worked very effectively with thousands and thousands of people. And I have a nonprofit. I invented a a bench for people in wheelchairs to blow and cast glass. And I've taught an autistic child from that bench in just the last month. So, you know, on one hand, I'm a very powerful person and creator. And yet in my intimate relationships, I seem to be showing up differently. And there was a lack of alignment, kind of like, Lisa, what's what's going on here? So through mm-hmm. Calling in the One, it was really about for me, and th- I think for a lot of women that I work with, healing our sense of value and worth and and not in an outwardly driven sense, but an inwardly holding, like holding that little one, you know, and so many times Prem just helped me like not collapse into that old story with all of the debilitating emotions of being, uh, you know, left abandoned in different ways. Oh, still brings up feelings, you know, as, as a young one mm-hmm. and, um, wow. you know, recreating that in some of my adult partnerships with wonderful women, you know, wonderful women that I have brought into my life for partnership. But then there was this piece of me that somehow, I don't know if like at times didn't feel worthy or would overgive um, instead of just setting limits and knowing on, on one hand, some of these individuals just weren't living in a place of integrity. And I knew that, but somehow it was like, you know, just violating, overlooking my knowing and my intuition because I didn't learn in my childhood to set limits or say no. Growing up in a multicultural 
Asian American home where there was kind of like an authoritative type parenting style. So yeah. working with Prem and doing this course, I've been able to very lovingly tell many friends, Catherine, and and potential partners that I don't see this working with, like I am really working on rooting and grounding myself and my value. And you are lovely. You're amazing. I need to say no to this or no to that because I'm really committed to um, just moving myself forward in, in ways that are validating and healthy and where I can speak my truth. And so it's just been a really illuminating last year and three months that has helped my book finally get to the editors. It's being edited now. And uh, just I'm really excited. Love has just really manifested in my life, Catherine, as a result of doing this work in, in every kind of way with people, guests that have been on my show, sending me gifts and just people in the community, just really being open and available in conversation. And it's caused me Mm -hmm. to step up, to be really present when I'm at the store, just open, speaking to people with asking how they are and really wanting to know, really available to listen. So it's just helped me grow stronger and into the woman that I want to be to manifest that great love and partnership that I'm so excited about. Mm, wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, it's truly. really beautiful. Well, I think, you know, I'm a, we're both therapists. Yeah. So we get to kind of speak about our ideas around where therapy is moving. Um, I think that one of the pitfalls of becoming kind of a collectively, therapeutically savvy culture is that we got, we've gotten stuck in analyzing the problem a bit. And I think a lot of us have kind of gone down the rabbit hole of analysis. And so yes. we kind of know the who, what, why, where. But, but what you're describing is challenging the consciousness, the decisions that we came to about ourselves when we were young, and then starting to show up in alignment with what's really true. And yes. taking risks to show up differently and to be true to yourself and and to your and to your commitment to create love. And um and that is an evolution and sometimes that requires we learn new things. So it's not just analysis. Analysis and insight are, are just one aspect of transformation. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, and that's something, if I may jump in, I wanted to bring up with you today because as, as a psychotherapist and, and just the insight piece is something that really, um, in the last year and a half, like I I have the awareness, I have the insight and even with clients I've worked with. So we see the patterns. Okay. Here they are. And it's like, now what? And, and it really is about not collapsing into those old feelings that overtake us to be able to to step into a strong adult place and and really show up differently say no for me it was about saying no to certain people places and things that i would routinely do or go to and and it's yeah. because those things might not be in my best interest and and maybe i can spend that time meditating instead or or reading and with my clients it's helped me also bring them further along you need the insight you need the awareness and we need to see our patterns but then we need to start deciding differently and acting differently and really living differently and it's hard and i really appreciate your love out loud daily emails 
And for our listeners, oh, thank if, you. If, you're welcome. If you go to KatherineWoodwardThomas.com, it's Catherine with a K, you can sign up for these daily emails. And it's little nuggets of truth that really help you integrate uh, different ways to show up for yourself. Different, And one of the th- ones that really struck me, you talk about how painful mm-hmm. it can be to show up differently. Like this wasn't easy. This past year and three months has not been easy. Mm-hmm. It's been a total showing up differently where I have disappointed people. I have angered people. It was never my intention. And that's been hard as a traditionally people-pleasing individual to show up for myself, which means others haven't necessarily liked it, but I'm happier. It's brought new people, places, and things into my life. And so I think it's what's required of us to really be in the vortex of what we want to create. It's here, but we need to action differently. And and self-forgiveness, that's also one of the biggest pieces for me that I wrote about as well in my book is I think we harbor so much blame and judgment and shame that we hold within ourselves that then blocks, that's a block to love, I learned. Mm -hmm. So really forgiving ourselves for how we didn't show up when we didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, once you take personal responsibility and you stop blaming your, the culture, you know, the crazy dating culture or uh, you start blaming women or men or anything outside of yourself, and we start to see, oh, wow, I see that I've been pushing love away or I've been, you know, missing certain skills that are pretty necessary to create loving relationships. And rather than learn those skills, I've just been, uh, you know, burying my head in the sand for years, and this is the consequence of it. Or, you know, when you you see it, and, and the first response is sadness about that. Like, wow, yeah. look at what it's cost me. You know, and we have to, and I, and it's, and we have to get present to the consequences of those behaviors, because that's part of change. You know, it, it's okay to feel grief about the lost years, and then it's okay to feel gratitude that the for the clarity that's now coming in and the power that's being restored into your own hands to be able to see how you might do it differently moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what you're talking about too in in terms of saying no to certain people um, is really about... Um, one of the inner obstacles to love that I talk about in Calling in the One, it, it has to do with releasing and renegotiating actually toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times, you know, we're kind of hip to there's a certain toxic dynamic. That person always wants to bully me or control me or puts me into double binds or punishes me for taking care of myself or, you know, we, we have, we all have these people in our lives and some of them are people that we don't necessarily want to get rid of because maybe it's my sister or my mother or my boss or the the person I've been friends with for 35 years and I don't really want to get rid of them. But, but as we start getting better, we can't handle, like we can't tolerate it anymore. And I call it actually an obstacle to to calling in a beloved because there's no way that we can be in one part of our lives losing power 
and then take a stand in another part of our lives that we're going to create the most empowered partnership because we're not in our power if we're giving our power away to someone that we're close to, even if we're not talking to that person very often. So rather than just cut these people out, which sometimes we're, we're, we're tempted to do, I prefer to encourage all of us to evolve those connections Yes, because because we have in that in those moments and maybe with your friends, there's what I call an upside down hierarchy where the person who has the least amount of consciousness is holding the most amount of power. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're getting dominated by somebody's, you know, bullying us or being a petty tyrant or whatever they're doing to get their way. And what we need to do is is find a way to claim our power in that connection. Now, granted, they might leave. Right. But but that's okay because we're choosing ourselves. So what you're doing when you're saying no is you're doing one of the two things I suggest. Either you're going to share, you know, come clean and have the courage to share what you really feel about certain things going on. And or, because sometimes you really can't, if someone's really not interested in your feelings or then they turn it against you, it doesn't feel safe to do that, to set a new boundary. Yeah. And to not make the other person wrong, but just say, look, you know, I'm going through a growth spurt and I'm really taking much more responsibility for um, being clearer with my boundaries. I apologize for not being clearer before now. With you, I please, you know, please forgive me. I, I value our relationship, so I'm going to start setting better boundaries with you be, to keep our relationship healthy and strong. So you're not blaming someone when you're going to no. change the dynamic, taking responsibility. And, and you know, I would rather that instead of organizing around the weakest parts of other people, we train other people to organize around the strongest parts of us. Parts of us. I like that very much. Yeah. You know, there another area that you identify of the four of the inner blocks to love having to do with incompletions of the past um, has been really important for me and for the clients I'm working with as far as people that we do have incompletions with when it is appropriate and safe. It's been really nice to go back and have conversations with those people mm-hmm. to really bring yeah healing and resolution again in in a loving and in a loving way not in a bitchy you know domineering way and for those individuals where that's not possible the soul to soul communication through meditation has been really beautiful for me and and in sharing it with my clients to call someone in in a meditative state and really tell them you know everything you need to say and and really bless them with love that i found both ways of completing the past to be really helpful and healing. Yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. I love that you're out there creating Thank you. that and that and that you're in, and that you're seeing evidence of more love come into your life too as a result. It, it's so obvious and it's been, you know, even yesterday Catherine a young client when I'm in New Orleans, I work with a lot of Tulane University students and I love working with students in their 20s and a young woman was talking about themes that just reminded me of of a lot of your work. So she's sitting in my office, downloaded your Love Out Loud daily emails, and we looked at your website together on some things. And a couple of other clients in Atlanta do a Calling in the One group. And um, so it's been really great to, to know your work and then get to meet you in LA and see you on occasion at events and now work with Prem and really incorporate this, like really embody the changes that 
that were required for me that were just barely outside of my consciousness. Like I knew I needed to do something differently. I wasn't sure. And now it's been so clear and I've been doing it and it's gotten easier and people typically respond favorably. I think if you really come to them in a spirit of love, like I'm doing this to change and evolve, I don't want to hurt you. Like I'm really wanting to bring the best out. And if, if someone can't receive that, then I then it is time to to move along. But it's been a, a really great experience to practice skills like that. Oh, that's really beautiful. I mean, thank you. You're such an ambassador of the, of the calling in the one work. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's helped me it's in, in in all levels. <clears throat> so what what else do you want to share? Thank you, Catherine. What else is important? Well, let's <clears throat> so let's talk about. <clears throat> excuse me. Let's talk about how. To be magnetic, right? We're talking about a lot of removal of the obstacles. Yes, the adding, yes, adding on or calling in. Yeah, adding on. So I think that there's one of the things that we're looking at when we're looking at obstacles are the core beliefs that we have. And and because we haven't really understood our own consciousness or how are the source of our experiences, because it feels like it's outside of us, a lot of us go into resignation. And um, we don't understand that we actually hold the power to evolve, so it feels like the universe is somehow stacked against us. Mm. And we go into resignation about love. And from that perspective, we cannot afford to feel our desire for love. Because if you feel into how much you want love, on top of a belief that you can't have it, it becomes mm. very painful. Yes. And it also has us show up in dating situations as needy, which, of course, none of us want to have anything to do with showing right. up as needy. So, um, so now, so that's why we start in calling in the one by removing the inner obstacles to love. And basically, what we're doing is we are getting to a place of emptiness. And another way of saying emptiness is possibility. Mm. Like we really get like, oh, my future, my, my future is not determined by my past. And I am no longer unconsciously being run by these things. I have a choice. So what would I like to now create? And on top of that possibility, then when we start to feel into our desires, it begins to weave a certain magnetic Field. And when we do that on top of commitment to uh, an intention that we've set, that's when magic, the magic kicks in and magic mm-hmm. is evoked. So what it looks like to feel into your desires from a place of possibility is to say things like, well, you know, I would love to be experiencing um, a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, like open spaciousness between my, my beloved and I, where there's this expansive space and we share a similar uh, mission and we share a God space. Yes. And we're, we're, there, we're flowing love back and forth to each other and there's belly laughs here <laughs> and there's, there's trust here and there's the risk of intimacy here where I'm going to 
tell the truth, there's authenticity, where it's safe to cry, where it's safe to express my love, where it's safe to receive love, and I want to be experiencing receiving love in a way that heals me. And, and as you're saying it, you feel it in your body. Yeah. That's what I'm desiring. I really desire. What do, what do I desire to be experiencing? I desire to be um, seeing my beloved looking at me with love on his or her face. And I desire uh, to experience uh, sexual desire in my body when that person walks in the room. And I desire to experience also solitude with that person so we can both be in our writing spaces and we can we have the freedom to be quiet, to respect each other. I also desire to experience being able to say no and and know that love is not going to be taken from me. Yes. So all of these things that we're creating in that future. And then what happens is, you know, when you when you start to desire in that way, then you open up a space of co-creativity, meaning you're no longer waiting for God to give this to you. But you see, it's now this future is happening through you. So the next time someone says, you know, do you want to do this? And you're afraid to say no because you're afraid you're going to lose love. You have the courage to say no because you're standing for relationships where you get to say no and you still loved. Yes. Should that other person then withdraw their love, you can say, hey, where'd you go? All I did was say no, but it doesn't mean I don't love you. And you, you, you either bring them back or you get that, oh, they've been using you all the time because you trained them that you're just <laughs> always going to be a doormat and it's probably time for them to go. So that's okay. It's sad, yes. but that's okay. God bless them because they don't fit into that future. They're not going to make that transition with you. Right. Yeah. Uh, This has been such a beautiful time together, Catherine. You're easy to talk to. (laughs) I know. Wind me up. (laughs) Just wind me up, Lisa. So how can can listeners reach you? And if they wanted to jump in on the Calling in the One seminar going on for the next six weeks. Yes, thank you. Um, You were kind enough to give my website, Catherine Woodward Thomas, right up there on the top banner uh, is something that talks about the current Calling in the One course that's now on. Registration is still open till next Monday. So you can just click through and go to the course information page on that. Or you could click and join the LOL dailies, the Love Out Loud dailies, to receive that for free. And that's my honor. Those are simple truths to help you have extraordinary relationships. And I'd love to share those with you. Wonderful. Catherine, thank you for being with us today. I love you very much. Thank you, Lisa. I I love you too. And I really appreciate your having me on this special second anniversary. You're welcome. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you in the future. Me too. Great. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening in today and being with us. I was just with Catherine Woodward Thomas. Listen in next week as I bring you another episode, and I do hope everyone has a wonderful week. Thank you. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.
When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See JDPower.com slash awards for 2022 details.